Welcome to the Lowdown Fantasy Football Podcast. Today we are pumped to be diving into our top 15 quarterbacks as we continue our series of diving deeply into our rankings at each position. Here with me, as always, is fantasy sports pro Kyle Leith. How are you, Kyle? I'm great, and I'm just excited for the regular season to finally be around the corner. We are reaching the days where we'll know exactly who has and hasn't opted out. And once that happens, it'll be hopefully a smooth road to the regular season. No bumps, no setbacks. And we can take all of this knowledge that we have gained over the year and finally put it to use. I can't wait for the regular season. Yeah, it's very exciting. I'm also excited to have something to watch on TV besides, you know, Italian soccer or you know, whatever else random is actually still happening. This quarantine time has been tough enough that looking forward to something like the NFL is very exciting. You mean you aren't watching 10 hours of NBA a day, grinding out the daily fantasy leagues over there like me? (laughs) I actually would like to watch the NBA. I just, a lot of them are on during the day and I don't have a lot of those premium channels, but Man, the games I've watched have been awesome just to see some live sports action. Do you actually watch the games or you just bet on them? For once, I actually get to do both. I've gotten completely used to having no fans in the audience and it doesn't even phase me anymore. Yeah, it's fine. So it's no big deal. Yeah, it's just a grind. And that's one thing the NFL isn't. You know, you get to put on red zone and you're good to go. Yeah, well, and you have a week between games, so it's totally different, right? Yeah, it's a lot more on your plate right now, I'm sure. We are uh, pumped to get into our look at quarterbacks, and before we get into the rankings, we wanted to sort of zoom out and look at the quarterback position from like 20,000 feet, just kind of assess how we go about looking at QBs, assessing them, and what types of QBs we target in fantasy. And Kyle, I think you had some initial thoughts or questions or stats to look at. Absolutely. Quarterbacks are a fascinating position, and they tend to go really overlooked. Now, I believe they go overlooked for a good reason, in that they are very hard to nail down. We're going to be going over how quarterbacks were drafted last year, how some worked out, and how most didn't work out. And the gaps between them varied an incredibly small amount. So the higher stakes you get when drafting, the later quarterbacks will go. And the reason for this is if you aren't getting one of the top two running backs, the difference between numbers three and 12 historically have been absolutely tiny. So if we looked at last year, the difference between the number three quarterback and the number 12 quarterback was about three fantasy points per game. So it isn't like the running back position or the wide receiver position. There is room to let these quarterbacks slide, but it's still good to know what you're doing because last year, Lamar Jackson was the eighth quarterback taken in the draft. Yeah, and I think that the types of quarterbacks we were going to discuss, one of the things I think of with that is you bring up Lamar Jackson, and it's something that for years many in the fantasy industry have called the Konami Code, the QBs that can run, and that's what it's referring to, QBs that rack up rushing yardage. And, you know, basically, if you look at the top, I want to say six QBs or so, you got guys like Lamar, you got Deshaun Watson, you have Russell Wilson run some, You have Kyler Murray is expected to run some. So a lot of these guys, I mean, not all of them, you still have guys like Dak and Patrick Mahomes and stuff that aren't known as runners. But when you get those rushing stats on top of the passing stats, that's where it can really compound. Still, like you're saying, drafting a QB early can be a mistake. So I guess, what do you think of when you think of that balance between trying to grab a guy who can be a difference at the position versus waiting? 
One thing is you nailed it about running quarterbacks. If your quarterback can't run, chances are very high they won't finish in the top 10. Eight of the 10 quarterbacks that finished the year in the top 10 last year ran for more than 20 yards a game. Going through the whole list of quarterbacks, quarterbacks as bad as Minshew were actually fantasy assets because Minshew averaged 27 yards rushing a game. Those points really add up. Mm -hmm. So what I'm looking for is always quarterbacks that are on good offenses, that have touchdown upside, and that I feel can get me 40 yards running on scrambles in a given week. Quarterbacks Mm -hmm. like a Josh Allen, like a Russell Wilson. So those kind of quarterbacks that can get yards on the feet really make a difference. Yeah, and I mean, a guy like Russell Wilson, one of the things we'll talk about later, he's not running plays like uh, Lamar Jackson, where his play is actually being called for him to run the ball. He just scrambles around in the pocket and looks for someone to throw to. And if he can't, he'll run it. And some of it is just the escapability, the ability to move around and find space and be quick enough to get away from defenders. Which, you know, you think about a guy in the old days like the Mannings or even now still Brady, they are not going to get away from anyone. They are just too slow. So there is literally no chance they're going to get you anything in the rushing department. One of the things that you sort of mentioned besides the rushing that I think of is you sort of alluded to it, the positional scarcity. A lot of people call it value-based drafting. And like Kyle mentioned, if you look at the third quarterback versus the 12 quarterback, that is the case all the way down the board. When I did my projections, I mean, you have guys that are outliers. Like I still project Mahomes to be an outlier this year and to some degree Lamar Jackson and the next few guys on my list. But there are guys from there on the projections are about 300 ish points all the way down to like the QB 26 or so projected for about 250 points. So if you think about 50 points over the course of a year, that's three points per week. And so if you wait till the very last round, and if you're only losing three points a week with that quarterback, that's a huge opportunity to grab all those other positions that are much scarcer, right? Running back, receiver, tight end that are harder to get. And that's where a lot of guys go wrong, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I mean, if we look at the quarterbacks last year, Mahomes, when he played, even though he was running on a sprained ankle for part of the year, he averaged about 21 a game. Now, if you go all the way down, when Stafford was on the field before his back injury, he was averaging 21 a game. Mm-hmm. So you can just see that there is a incredibly deep field of quarterbacks that will put up points this year. And they're also just touching the ball every single play, you know, so you got to depend on usage for these other positions, but the quarterback's going to be touching it. So most likely he's going to have a lot of opportunities to score. So generally, I think we both agree you want to wait as long as you can to draft these guys, as long as you can have the potential, you get a guy with potential to jump up and finish near the top. That's kind of what I look for. I try to wait, but I always want a guy with potential to jump up there and finish in the elite range. Absolutely. I always have a few guys that I'm targeting and I try to aim for players that are either undervalued or overlooked. Last year for me, I was all over Russell Wilson, who was going in the 14th round in a lot of drafts. Mm. He was the quarterback 10 last year in his draft spot. We could go further down. Dak Prescott was quarterback 15 last year in where he was drafted. Kyler Murray was quarterback 12 last year. And Josh Allen, who was one of the better quarterbacks last year, was quarterback 20. So there is value to be had. And again, you're looking in those later picks for guys who either have the potential to blow up because of an offensive change like Dak or guys who have potential to get some extra yardage with rushing. Those are kind of the key cornerstones to look for. So 
those are all good things. I think that's a, a good way to start. Let's go ahead and jump into our top 15 quarterbacks here. And number one, we've mentioned him a couple times, is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes got his first chance to start in 2018, and it was a season for the ages. That may, though, just be his standard season. Now, I am a huge Chiefs fan. Just to be open about that, I am biased when it comes to Mahomes. But, you know, pretty much objectively, he's been fantastic ever since he came in. He threw for, in that first season, starting for over 5,050. A lot of people know about that. He won the MVP that was 50 touchdowns, to be clear. Many were projecting major regression for 2019, thinking that defenses would surely figure him out. And, you know, it seemed inevitable, even as I looked at it, just because he had an 8.6 touchdown percentage per attempt. In 2019, though, Mahomes pretty much continued to do what he did. He did see that touchdown rate come down to 5.4, which is still very good, but not as crazy. His yards per attempt came down slightly, but the biggest issue he faced was injuries. He injured his ankle early in the season. He tried to play through it. He did play through it, but he clearly wasn't himself. He didn't have that ability to escape the pocket. Couldn't like buy time to find someone downfield like he always does. I was actually at the game against the Texans and it was clear he just was not himself. He couldn't push off that ankle. He couldn't kind of drive in his throws. He was still good, but he wasn't himself. And then one of those next games, I think it was against the Broncos, he dislocated his knee. I actually think the knee dislocation was in part related to the ankle because, you know, you favor that other leg when you're on that ankle or when the ankle's not feeling right. Despite all that, those injuries and the regression of his TD rate, he was pretty much just as good in 2019. In fact, his decision-making improved. His interception rate fell from 2.1% to just 1%. I think that's probably his most impressive stat for me in this, you know, Andy Reid pass-happy offense. He threw only five interceptions on the season. I have a few other thoughts on Mahomes because I can go on about him all day, but what are your thoughts on him, Kyle? Well, I mean, You've covered it. You're the Chiefs homer. You brought the ankle. So for me, I have Patrick Mahomes as number two behind Lamar Jackson, but I definitely think he is a top tier quarterback. If I have Lamar one, I've got Patrick Mahomes 1A. His stats two years ago and his stats last year, I would probably average him out, and that's close to where I have him projected for Mm -hmm. this upcoming season. His schedule isn't exactly all that difficult. He will be having Hardman in his second year as wide receiver, so there could be a potential jump there. I think that they'll be playing with no crowds, which will help him be able to be even more efficient with the offense. And I think CEH, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, will be an upgrade at the running back position. Now, how do you feel the offensive line is this year? Because that, I think, will be the biggest influence on how Patrick Mahomes will evolve and how he'll play in this upcoming season. Yeah, the offensive line is pretty much the same as it was last year. They did lose the doctor, Laurent Vernitardif, who just opted out. But they have a very, I shouldn't say very, they have an adequate depth on their line. They just brought in, I think it's a Kalechi or simile, something like that, to kind of help fill in. But they already had a couple of good backups that have stepped in whenever they've had an injury there. So I don't anticipate that's going to be a problem. So for you, you have Lamar just ahead of Mahomes. I know that this is probably because of my homerism, but I have Mahomes well ahead of Lamar in my projection. Of course he does. Um, he's in a he's in a tier by himself and then the next tier starts. And the reason for that is 
I project his touchdown rate to be about what it was last season. But last season, again, he missed two and a half games and he was struggling with injury. I only project him for 38 touchdowns. It's not 50, but I think he's going to, again, throw for 5,000 yards. I mean, the read offense and the amount of passes that they have is so much volume that it's hard to anticipate him not throwing for near 5,000 again. It was interesting. I read that sharp analysis that you actually got over to me about the Chiefs. And one of the things they talked about is how often the Chiefs throw on first and second down significantly more than any other team in the league. And, you know, you think about like the Ravens, obviously Jackson has a ton of upside with his rushing, but that can be sort of taken away from him. You saw that in the playoffs. Teams can scheme to take that away. But when you have a team that passes early, when the defense has to account for the run as well, it kind of keeps them from scheming it out, from you know throwing extra coverage guys at you. And Mahomes will take advantage of that every day. They also talked about how Mahomes has so many open looks because of the scheme. Like he doesn't throw that many passes to covered receivers or even guys within two yards of his receiver. They're usually wide open because Reed is so good at scheming that. So I'm sure I'm biased, but I believe Mahomes is going to have another gigantic year. I don't have much Mahomes on my teams because he's going so early, sometimes in the first, sometimes by the mid-second. I would take him in the third, I think, because of my projection for him, but he hasn't lasted for me. So I do have tons of Tyreek and Kelsey because I think the whole team is going to have such a big year. Yeah, he hasn't been really falling out of second or early third that often. Now, we were talking earlier about how we prefer to take quarterbacks later on. Now, I believe there's an exception for Mahomes and Lamar Jackson this year. Mm-hmm. I think their projections, we both probably have them over 25 fantasy points a game, maybe even higher for how you're talking about Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Now, if you compare that to the projections we have for most quarterbacks, they usually will range from 18 to 21 fantasy points a game. So we have a four or five point projection difference with these two quarterbacks. So if you do take them, that is a large enough gap in a weekly projection of scoring to make up for the fact that you are giving up a third round pick on positions that have higher scarcity. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm willing to take him in the mid third, especially if I could somehow pair him with a Kelsey or a Tyree kill. That has not happened this year. People will sometimes even try to block you or he just won't fall far enough, but you know, it's a dream. Yeah. And just as we've already been talking about Lamar, he's your first, he's my second. We can kind of slide into talking about him. I think the thing about Jackson is that what was such an outlier last season was his touchdown rate. Just like Mahomes had a crazy touchdown rate in 2018, Jackson had a 9% touchdown rate, which is pretty much, you know, once every five or 10 years. Now these guys did it back to back, but it's very unusual. And I believe that's unsustainable. I think he gets a little bit extra room, extra space to work because of his rushing upside. So, you know, the threat of him running. So he may keep a high touchdown percentage and just be efficient in general. But I think he should fall to around 5 or 6%. I think that's still an excellent number. And if he does, that should bring his touchdowns, which he led the league despite not throwing that many passes last year. It should bring him down from 36 to closer to the 20 range. Now, the thing with Jackson that's so remarkable, obviously, is his rushing. And I looked up some stats here. Did you know that he ran for 1,206 yards last year and that that was the sixth most rushing yards of any player in the league, regardless of position? So top six rushers were Derrick Henry, Chubb, McCaffrey, Zeke, Chris Carson, and then Lamar Jackson. He also ran for seven touchdowns, which was the same as Chris Carson and four more than Fournette, who was the next on the list. So for me, that's the biggest question mark with Lamar. Is he going to have 
1,206 and 7 or something like that again. Because if he does, he'd be a worthwhile pick in the first round, quite frankly. I mean, basically, he finished with 450 or so fantasy points, 456 last season, actually, which was second only to McCaffrey. So when you're getting that kind of a jump on every other quarterback, a 50 to 100 point jump when you're talking about those kind of numbers, he's worth it. First or second round for sure. I just don't believe he's going to be running as much this year. The coaching staff has talked about that they want to push him to pass it more and try to establish their even their deep passing game, which could help him in the passing department. But he actually gets much more relative value from running the ball than from passing it, right? So you get generally 10 yards rushing as a point, six yards for a rushing TD. You only get four for a passing. You only get one for every 20, point for every 25 yards passing. So when he's running the ball, especially designed runs, that's why he is so valuable. They take that down a bit and he won't have as much value. What do you think about that? I think that regression is inevitable. I mean, if I could guarantee that he would have last season, this season, I would consider him somewhere in the first round. Now, even factoring that in, he was just that much better than everyone else. His 2019 season was the Mahomes 2018 season. Just how the points were scored was a little bit Mm. different, you could say. And after that huge season by Mahomes in 2018, he came back to earth. Now, that was partially due to injuries. Mm -hmm. But he was also drafted in the 1-2 turn, you know, like pick 15 overall. So he was being rewarded for last year. Now, this is happening a little bit with Lamar Jackson. In terms of projection, I see the 1,200 yards coming down a bit. Mm -hmm. I see the 9% touchdown rate probably going down to 5 or 6, something much more reasonable. I expect the Ravens offense to still be dominant and I expect him to probably pass for 500 more yards than the previous season. So drop off, you know, two to 300 rushing yards, add 500 passing yards and and that is still significantly less points. Mm -hmm. But it must be acknowledged that he averaged nine more fantasy points than the next highest quarterback last year. His gap between him and everyone else was a larger gap than McCaffrey and Aaron Jones. So there was that gap. Is it repeatable? Probably not, but I still have him and Mahomes very close in their projections. And I think I have Lamar a little bit higher just because I have his upside higher on the off chance that the coaches don't wisen up and he continues to run it at the obscene clip that he did last year. Yeah, I need to look up those stats because I'm pretty sure Dak Prescott hit the 400 fantasy point mark and I had Lamar down at 456. So that would put them, you know, in the 55 point difference or so, which is like three to four points a game. But I guess either way, I'm splitting hairs. I think it was clear Lamar had the best season of any quarterback last season. Perhaps the biggest thing for me that surprised me was his completion rate coming from 58% up to 66 I thought he was just an inaccurate passer, similar to Josh Allen, but he really worked on that and got better. So you can't go wrong. Honestly, even if you took each of these guys in the first round, it's probably not going to hurt you that much, even though you went so early. And if you can get them in the third or the late second, it's not a bad pick. I mean, generally, I've still been avoiding it because I so badly want to load up with these other positions, but there's definitely an argument to be made for it. Did you have any other thoughts on Lamar? Are we good? Well, after those two, there's a huge tear break. I wouldn't touch them until the third, so I don't have that much of them, but they are just elite at their position, and it is a way to really separate yourself at the quarterback position each week because the guys we're going to talk about going forward, there is a gap. They could all have these ceiling seasons, 
but their ceilings are the floors for um, the two we just talked about. Yeah. So the next one on my list, I would say these next three to four to five guys, people have them in lots of different orders. It's just about where you have them projected and who you like. My next quarterback is actually Kyler Murray. I know that's a bit controversial, but he had a pretty great rookie season when you look back at it. He had 64% completion, which is great for a rookie. He had over 3,700 passing yards with 20 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So touchdown interception ratio isn't great, but again, as a rookie, I think he has a huge opportunity to jump up this year. I expect his touchdown rate will come up his interception rate will go down just as he gains more experience reading defenses and on top of those nice stats of course he's another guy that is a threat to run the ball he ran 93 times for 544 yards and four touchdowns and that made him the 36th leading rusher in the league outside of position so again you add his passing stats on to this 36th leading rusher it's going to add up fast he's a guy that didn't really have any design runs in the same way that like a Lamar did he just ran when he needed to but there's a chance that they will actually scheme him up for some runs that they'll call his number to you know do a fake handoff kind of a play action and then run the ball either up the middle or around the end he has the speed to do that he can surprise defenses with it especially because the cardinals offense spreads everybody out and that's kind of what they they specialize in is having three wide or four wide and keeping the defense from kind of knowing what's coming they also did draft josh jones for their line who some thought might be a first round pick he fell to the third but they got him to help the offensive line which that was one of their biggest weaknesses he was sacked 50 times last year so a lot of times again he had to run for his life the biggest move for the cardinals was man he has upgraded his receivers right they got deandre hopkins coming over from houston they kept larry fitzgerald they still have christian kirk so that's a great threesome at receiver they still also have these rookies that didn't do anything last year butler and isabella if they become anything decent this is a great receiving group also drake is great catching passes from the backfield so i really like murray i think his floor is very solid because of the rushing upside and he's also gonna throw the ball a lot he's got a great deep ball so what do you think about murray i like him but what it comes down to is we know that the offense is vastly improved obviously hopkins is a huge upgrade last year they were trotting out wide receivers that just couldn't play often multiple rookies on the field at skill positions So last year was just a bit of a mess, and he still put up good numbers. Now, the question I have is, what offense are we going to see? Because last year was a tale of two offenses. The first half of the year, they were running plays at a fast clip. They were running in the 10 formation, the 11 formation at a significantly higher amount, which are um, four and three wide receiver sets. But then they slowly transitioned to a 12 formation, which is a two tight end formation with two wide receivers. And that's where they were having most of their success on the ground. And they were then also playing at a below league average pace. So if they go back to a more fun and gun offense that we kind of expected, then they can put up video game numbers. But I just don't know what we're going to see. What do you think we're going to see from the offense this year? Yeah, I guess the question mark is, are they going to be forced into doing what they did late last year, which is try to run the ball a lot, slow everything down? I think they did that because it just wasn't working to do what Cliff Kingsbury wanted to do, which is, like you said, spread them out, go to three or four wide all the time. I think the improvement on the offensive line, I know they brought a couple of, at least one free agent in, plus they drafted Jones. That should help a lot 
if they can get that line working together well to provide Murray just a little more time, I think that they will call more passes. Plus, what Kingsbury likes to call is a lot of that quick passing game anyway. So they should be able to get the ball out of his hands. I think what you said, just not having a good enough skill group was a big part of it. I mean, like you said, they're throwing out Keyshawn Johnson, the, the other Keyshawn Johnson. And just guys that weren't ready, even like I really liked Hakeem Butler coming in. He just wasn't ready after he broke his hand, but I think they put him on IR because they could just tell he needed some time. Andy Isabella was just not ready, just couldn't get on the field. So if those guys have improved, and obviously all they needed was one really stud receiver, which they now have with Hopkins. So yeah, I think that they will throw it a lot more. And I still think Kenyon Drake's going to do just fine. He's going to get plenty of touches. It's definitely going to be a big step forward for them this year. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think that they could be a lot of fun to watch. Tons of talent. The next guy on my list is very similar as far as his overall skill type, I guess. He's a good thrower and a good runner. His name's Deshaun Watson. He's had a remarkable start to his career, really. He started less than half the games in his rookie season, but then exploded in both 2018 and 2019. He finished in the top six in overall scoring in both seasons. And again, the reason why he's finishing so high, even above backs and receivers, is because he's that dual threat guy. He's going to run the ball plenty every season. He's finished around 500 yards rushing both years. And he's also a very accurate passer. He's over 67% completion rate both seasons, which is excellent. And we're talking about getting up there into the elite range when we get close to 70%. He also has had a good touchdown rate every season, over 5% every year. So he's just steady and he's good. He knows what he's doing. I remember when he came out of college, Dabo, whatever his name is, Sweeney, his coach at Clemson said, this is Michael Jordan. If you pass on him, you're a moron, basically. And he's really proven. He's a baller. This guy, he knows how to read defenses. He's got an amazing arm and an intellect about the game. And he knows when to run. He's hard to bring down when he is running. So he's a great talent. He'd be a great guy to grab where he's going, especially because he's falling all the way to around pick 80 and ADP right now, which is the seventh or eighth round. And I'd say if things go right, he's got the potential to score as much as some of those guys above him, like Lamar, especially if Lamar's numbers come down a little bit, certainly he could score as much as anybody else in the league if things go right. So obviously he, on the flip side of Murray, he lost Hopkins and that's going to be his biggest question mark. I think why he's falling in drafts right now is people don't know how he's going to do. Hopkins had a 30% target share every season in this offense. And so it's a question of how targets get distributed between all these other guys. How do you see that going? I don't, you can have other thoughts too, but how do you think these targets are going to get distributed between, you know, Fuller and Cooks and Cobb and all these guys? I mean, the question mark is, will they stay healthy? I mean, their entire offense has had players that have missed full seasons. Mm -hmm. So there is concern there, but I'm actually excited for Watson, especially at the cheaper value. He finished as a top three quarterback last year. He averaged over 22 fantasy points a game. And while Hopkins was a loss, the bigger losses I think are probably on the defensive end of the field. So that'll make the game better for him because there'll be more shootouts. And mm -hmm. no quarterback was in more shootouts last year than Deshaun Watson. That's where he put up just massive numbers when the team was down and he was trying to bring them back. So when we see he goes 34, 31 score games, those are where he really excels. So he'll still be throwing the ball 50 times and I'm perfectly fine drafting him if he's throwing it 50 to 60 times in a game. Cause I yeah, don't see David Johnson holding up. 
Yeah, in a sense, it doesn't matter where they're going, I guess. I mean, if he's giving Cooks 120 targets or he's giving Fuller 120 or they both get it, or if Cobb comes from nowhere, it really doesn't matter because, like you're saying, he's going to have to throw it a lot. I agree. I don't think David Johnson's going to be very effective running the ball. And even if he is, they just like to pass it. So I think he's got a great floor because of that plus add on the rushing upside. So he's a great value. I think if I, when I'm drafting, I'm targeting Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson more often than Lamar, even though Lamar's ceiling is so much higher, just because they're very similar players, except they're not quite as dynamic runners, obviously, but they are going to have that rushing floor. And I think that they're probably better passers overall. So I think all three of those guys are great options. It's just a matter of when can you get them? And if you can get one of these guys, I've gotten Kyler in the sixth and seventh a couple of times and Watson the seventh and eighth. I think those are good buys there. They're going to return value to you. So the next guy on my list, many Cowboys fans who are listening are probably very upset that Dak Prescott was not number one, you know, because he's obviously the best quarterback ever. But he's he's my five, a fifth-ranked quarterback. He did finish third in scoring. That is true. Overall, last season, he was behind only McCaffrey and Jackson, and he did hit the 400 fantasy point mark. It was an amazing season for him. His touchdown rate, his yards per attempt, they improved from the season before, but I'd say the biggest difference between last season and the previous season was that the Cowboys just threw the ball a lot more. Dallas jumped from 526 passes thrown in 2018 to 596, so an extra 70 passes, which is, you know, four to five extra passes a game. And their actual aggressiveness increased a lot. They were throwing downfield a lot. They were working in a lot more play action and stuff like that. So obviously his weapons improved a lot. He had Amari Cooper a full season with Michael Gallup, who improved a ton last year. And then last year they had Randall Cobb, who this year is over in Houston. But they had plenty of weapons. I also think the play calling of Kellen Moore was part of the big bump. He called plays for the first time in his career, taking over for Scott Linehan. And he just is more aggressive. And Prescott just thrived under him. Prescott's not one of those guys that is a big runner, but every season he's had multiple touchdowns. He had three last season and the previous three seasons, he'd had six in every one of them. So he definitely runs enough to be valuable in that area. He's sort of like Mahomes. He'd rather stay in the pocket, but he runs when he needs to. So I don't know what your thoughts are on Prescott. How do you see him this season? I've got Dak Prescott as my number three. If we look at comparing him to Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson, I think the difference is that Dak Prescott is safe. Kyler Murray has some question marks about the direction of the offense, and Deshaun Watson has a lot of questions about his offensive weapons. But when we look at Dak, he was number three last year. He's been steady as can be. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback, but I think he is one of the perfect fantasy quarterbacks and he'll be in a much improved situation this year. Prescott was number two in deep completions, and they just added C.D. Lamb. He was a top 10 quarterback in 11 of the first 12 weeks last year, and he's been the number two fantasy quarterback overall since the team added Amari Cooper a while back. So he's been steady. The offense should be a top three offense in the league, no question. The team's improved. And even though last year I thought that was the quietest 400 fantasy points imaginable, it just never seemed like he had those mega games. He definitely got there and the team will be better this year. Yeah, I guess that's the only question. I don't know enough about the Cowboys to know if I think they're going to be better. I think their offense 
was about as good as it could be as far as their production. I think Dak is a good quarterback. I just don't know that from my perspective, he's a top five quarterback from a talent perspective. Of course not. Uh, Yeah, I think he's good enough to put up great numbers. I think he's in a great situation is the reason we have him even this high for you three, for me five. And he's surrounded by great talent. I just don't know, does he regress? You know, do we see him begin to make worse decisions, throw a lot more picks, do things that are going to decrease his value? At this point, we have to assume we're going to see what we saw last year. And I think we both have him ranked accordingly. This whole tier is together. So if you prefer Dak over these other guys, then take him first. You can't go wrong probably with any of them. The next on my list is Russell Wilson. He's the last guy in this tier for me, this like second tier below that Jackson Mahomes tier. I think after that, there's a clear drop off when it comes to that mixture of upside and consistency that we're looking for. He's been incredibly consistent. I mean, what a career so far. He's played eight seasons and literally never missed a game. And this is a guy that runs quite a bit. He's averaged 30 touchdowns every season, or not every season, but that's his average. He's averaged around 65% completion and right around 4,000 yards passing. He's just very reliable. He's very intelligent. One of the things, if you look at some of the film after the fact, he's incredibly accurate as a passer. He puts the ball exactly where it needs to be. And it's kind of funny when you look at the tape, just how small he is. I mean, sometimes he can't even see where he's throwing it behind these huge linemen, and he is able to just put it right in the spot. Just over Overall, I'd say he's one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the league for sure, just as far as talent. Last season, he had the lowest interception rate of his career at 1%, which is excellent, of course, and he had a higher touchdown rate than he's had in a while at 6%. The offense is the same. It's going to be a run-first offense, but they give him plenty of chances to throw the ball. And I think the biggest difference I see for him lately is DK Metcalf, that addition. This is the guy we talked about in our wide receiver episode. I wasn't real big on coming into the league, but what I saw last season was very impressive in his rookie year. This is a guy that Wilson can just throw the ball up to. And DK has that huge catch radius. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of extra passing touchdowns for Wilson, especially when they get down near the red zone. He's also one of these guys that can run the ball. He doesn't look to run, like I said, but he will do it. He usually gets about three rushing touchdowns per season. So he's one of these guys that is so safe to draft. What do you think about Russell? Well, if you had him during the second half of last year, he wasn't all that safe. He was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league in terms of performance during the second half of last season after being one of the very, very best quarterbacks during the first half of the season. Now, it wasn't because his play dropped off. I think we're both in agreement that in terms of talent, he's probably a top three quarterback in the NFL. He's super accurate. I feel like he's gotten better every year. Mm-hmm. It's more the system that he's in. Now, I love his weapons this year. He's got Lockett and DK Metcalf, and Metcalf is coming into his own. He's going to just be a monster this year. The question is, will he be able to, you know, let the reins loose a little bit, throw the ball more? As some would say, let Russ cook mm-hmm. as a running line. And if he's allowed to throw the ball 40 times a game, the sky's the limit. I mean, I was hoping that the Seahawks defense wouldn't get better during the off season. And for mm-hmm. the most part, that looked like it was going to be the case until they traded for um, the safety Adams recently, which for me was a little bit of a hit to Wilson's ceiling because I thought there would be some better game scripts because if the team was getting behind because the team wouldn't be as good, maybe he would have to throw the ball more. But with the team looking to be slightly better than I originally pictured, 
there is a decent chance that they just might be running the ball as much as they did last year, which would limit his upside. However, he is so good that I think his place is justified. I have him at the same spot as you. Yeah, and I think it's clear that the coaching staff wants to be a running team. So you're totally right on that. I think that if they get their way, they're going to pound it. They're going to be about a 50% rush and a 50% pass. And like I said in another previous episode regarding Chris Carson, they want to limit how many times Wilson has to throw the ball. They don't like it when he throws more like 55 or 60. They feel like he loses something. That doesn't make any sense to me. If he's a great player, he'll be great even more if he passes more. But that's what they believe. So there's no doubt they're going to be a running first team if, if they can do it. But, you know, so far what we've seen is they're a run first team and he still puts up numbers. So I'm not too concerned about him paying off, especially because you can get him in the middle rounds. We're talking about an eighth or ninth round player. And even if he doesn't have the upside to get up to, you know, top three in fantasy, he could get at least top five if things fall right. So I think he's a great choice. I'll add in that he's actually been a top three for the last six years. Mm-hmm. And that is with the heavy running offense. Right. So he can definitely get there. And that's why he is in this, for me, tier two. And that's just because if the team ever really lets him throw the ball, I could see him getting up to 40 touchdowns if given the chance. Yeah, and like you said, some of it could happen because they have to, because you know maybe Chris Carson isn't 100% and they can't lean on the run as much. and Or maybe their defense does kind of stink and they're getting behind. You just can't predict that kind of stuff. So there's certainly a chance he has to throw it more and will put up big numbers. And even when... They're in neutral game scripts. He's putting up big numbers some of the time. I hear you about late last season, but sometimes that's just a small sample size and it didn't work out for those games and that stinks for fantasy, but he's very steady overall. He's also getting a little older. He's turning 32, but I think he's not too old to continue getting some rushing yardage when he needs to. Like we said earlier, that's kind of the break of a tier. The next tier on my rankings really all make for sturdy like middle round options. Like if you want to wait until the ninth through the 12th rounds to grab a quarterback, that's honestly normally what I do. You can get one of these guys pretty easily. If you do that, the huge leg up you get on the guys who took the quarterback earlier is just a great depth at receiver and running back and potentially a top tight end on top of that. And that makes a huge difference. Like your starting lineup might not look as pretty. You're not going to see Mahomes sitting there at the top of your team. But you're not looking for pretty, you're looking to win. And the way to win is to score the most points. And so that depth at those middle positions is going to pay off and assure you of that. The first guy in this next tier for me is a guy who's struggled with injury quite a bit. His name is Carson Wentz. He's played four seasons now. Two of them were full seasons. It was his first, his 2016, his rookie year, and his last season. Last year was 2019. And if you look at the stat lines for those two years, you can kind of see the way he's improving and maturing as a player. His first season, he was a 62% completion for 16 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. And then last year, he was 64% for 27 and 7. So the main thing you see there is just the interception rate in half and the touchdown rate almost double. So that just speaks to his intelligence, his seeing what the defense is doing. And, you know, last season, he did that with a terribly injured team. I mean, he had almost all of his receivers were hurt throughout the year. Maybe all of them were. I mean, it was like everybody. They were rotating in guys like Greg Ward as starters. And who was he? I mean, it's amazing that he did as well as he did. In 2018, the year before last, he was on an MVP pace. 
before he went down with that gruesome knee injury. But before that happened, I mean, he'd thrown for 3,000 yards in only 11 games. He was on pace for a crazy, like, almost 5,000-yard season. He was completing almost 70% of his passes. And so this last year, he never quite looked like the 2018 Carson Wentz. But I think a lot of that was he was kind of getting his legs under him again, getting the feel of it, running around on that knee, and also because he had so many injuries around him. I think he's one of those players with humongous potential that's just not quite reached it yet for these reasons. He has a great arm. He's very smart, great pocket presence. He can run when he needs to. So I really like him. What are your thoughts on Carson Wentz? Finding where to place him has always been difficult, especially for this year, because I've always been conflicted between Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. Of any quarterbacks that we cover today, I think that those two are probably the most interchangeable in terms of position, in terms of my projections at least. But in regards to Wentz, the problem last year was he didn't really have any wide receivers. The problem this year is he probably isn't going to have any wide receivers. So he's going to be starting with a rookie, Jalen Rieger, who I actually really, really like. And it's going to be Rieger. I don't even know if I can name the wide receiver two at this point because I think one of them opted out. I know Deshaun Jackson is in hot water. So there's a lot of question marks there. And then it's Ertz, Goddard, and Miles Sanders. So while I like the offense, he is going to be in a situation once again where his weapons won't really be all that well figured out. And he's going to have a rookie in Jalen Rieger being his number one target with no OTAs and very little chance to gel. So there are downsides to Wentz, though I really like him at this spot, and I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league. And I think he's got a bit of a bad reputation with injuries because the two times it happened, they just sort of happened at the wrong time. Like he was completely healthy, and then he had that concussion late in the year. So it's been a bit of an unfair critique. So if he's healthy, though, I think he'll be in great shape. Yeah, and I guess the only thing I'd say about his injuries is I remember that one gruesome knee injury. It happened because he was going for the dive into the end zone on the quarterback sneak and just got crunched by two defenders. And, you know, obviously in retrospect, he wouldn't have done that. He would have just slid. He's just one of those all-out players. And so when you got a guy like that, yeah, he's going to get injured more often. But the flip side is that because he can run and get out of the pocket and get that rushing yardage and some touchdowns, he's also got that upside. So I think you're right. He's got limitations with his receiving department. But if some of these guys like Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey come back healthy at some point to go along with Rieger, I think that the upside is certainly there. That does lead to the next guy on our list, which you already mentioned, Matt Ryan. Ryan just keeps stacking solid seasons. I was amazed when I looked at the stats that he has played 12 seasons and only missed three games. But the crazy part is that nine straight seasons he's thrown for over 4,000 yards. So if you're looking for a quarterback who's just steady and you know what you're going to get, Matt Ryan is a great option. He had another solid season in 2019, 66% completion, 4,400 yards. In comparison with 2018, some of his stats did decrease. His touchdown rate came down to 4.2% from about six. But a lot of the things, even as interceptions went up, a lot of that was due to the offense just not being as efficient. They really struggled in the rushing game. Their offensive line was hurt a lot, so he had a lot of pressure. And when you can't get the rushing game going, you can't often be as effective as in the passing game as well. The big thing for Ryan is they do get everybody back healthy on the line. All these guys have never really played together, but all five are first-round picks. 
on the offensive line, they should be good on paper. So it's just a matter of them gelling. And, you know, you get another year with Calvin Ridley improving. You get Gurley in as the new running back, which I think that's probably a lateral move from Freeman, but he has potential in this offense and you still have Julio. Really the only loss was Austin Hooper, but I think Hayden Hurst is going to be just as good in this offense. They're very similar players. So there's not much else to say about Ryan. It's just, you know what to expect. Did you have any other thoughts there? Can you believe they didn't draft C.D. Lamb? (laughs) I mean, that still irks me so much. Yeah. They are going to be starting Russell Gage as their wide receiver three this year. It's hard to imagine that offense with him thrown in. It would have been a completely different offense. But basically, I agree with what you said. Another big boost is that they're playing 12 games indoors this year. Mm -hmm. So... Quarterbacks like him have always performed better in domes. That'll help his scoring a lot. I think Hurst and Hooper are similar players. And as long as, you know, Julio stays healthy, it should be a good year. Now, the one concern would be continuity because there's a lot of new faces at the skill positions. But if they can come together, I expect a good year. And I think the good year will happen no matter what, just because they've been throwing the ball at one of the highest rates in the NFL forever. Yeah, when you throw it that much, it's just hard if you're a good quarterback to not be productive, right? Right, and the team's not very good, so they'll have to throw. There'll probably be more shootouts this year than in previous seasons. This defense is horrendous. Yep, I think he's a great, like I've been getting him in about the 10th, 11th round. That's a great value. And even though, I guess the biggest downside for me is he does not offer any rushing upside. So when I'm on the clock between he and Wentz, that's why I kind of lean Wentz because he can give you that two to 300 yards rushing. But they're very similar players as far as their overall profiles. The next guy on my list is Josh Allen. Josh Allen is a bit of an enigma, to be honest. He's known in fantasy circles mainly for his ability to run the ball. The problem is he's a quarterback. He sort of reminds me of early career Cam Newton. Newton ran every year for 500 to 700 yards. He scored around six rushing touchdowns. You know, he looked good doing it. He had that huge, strong body. He wasn't afraid of contact. And Allen is similar. He's a huge dude. He's fast. And he's big. And his first two seasons, he rushed for 631 and 510. But he scored eight and nine touchdowns in those two seasons on the ground. That's just a huge bonus to his points. Again, it makes him like a running back that also throws the ball. I think even if that's a pittance compared to Lamar Jackson, it just gives him that floor. Now the question is, is he going to always rush for eight or nine touchdowns? I would say probably not. And the bigger red flag for me when I look at Allen is his passing. I mean, he is a quarterback. And when you look at his stats, I mean, in 16 games last season, he threw for only 3,089 yards and only a 58% completion rate. Now, I know the Bills like to run the ball, so that could excuse the low yardage. But the 58% completion, especially when you have a good running game, is unacceptable. It means that he's just missing too many wide-open players. He threw for 20 touchdowns and nine picks. So, again, those are sort of like what you expect from a rookie still not being extremely efficient just to put it bluntly he's not very accurate I mean I saw a thread with all of the deep balls that he overthrew last year guys wide open and they just the ball flew over him by 10 or 15 yards and even on his short and intermediate throws he can be very wide at the target he's just not accurate for an NFL quarterback so that's the risky proposition for me he's not bad but because his ranking is this high I mean you're gonna have to take him in that 10th or 11th round and if he lost even half his rushing stats I mean that pushes him down to like QB 20 so he would really need to improve as a passer to justify that spot what are your thoughts on all that so you found a thread of him overthrowing passes yes Wow. Did that take you a whole afternoon to go through? Or? It was just the highlights. I mean, but we're talking like they were bad, like 
Oh, the man. guys didn't even jump for it, just way over their heads. Oh, that reminds me of the Winston thread where yeah. there were 26 interceptions that he threw that, oh, were, that, dro- that were dropped <laughs> yeah. last year. He could have thrown like 50-something interceptions last year. But back to Josh Allen, he had one of the worst deep balls in the NFL, which is sort of shocking considering he has one of the stronger arms in the NFL. Mm. I like him because of the running upside, but as a fantasy player, I tend to be more willing to take on a extreme amount of risk with my picks, probably more than the average player. A lot of that comes from my background as a high stakes daily fantasy player who does GPP. So I always look for that kind of upside. But the downside is that so far he hasn't proven that he could throw. There was some better decision-making than the previous year. But that decision-making was that he was going to overthrow someone by five yards on the deep ball and not just throw it directly at a defender. So, you know, you can take your pick. I guess you might be able to make an argument that, oh, some of his balls were just caught in the wind of Buffalo. But (laughs) this is an example of a quarterback that isn't very good, but is great for fantasy. And, you know, I see him still running for five, 600 yards. I still see him probably getting five touchdowns minimum on the ground probably more to infuriate all the people that'll pick up the singletary this season so he's definitely in this sort of tier with the other guys but you have to realize that there is a higher risk with him if he were to you know drop any of his stats that he's putting up on the ground Mm -hmm. i don't think Diggs is gonna you know save him Diggs will give him a two or three yard cushion from getting so wide open, that doesn't mean that he's going to throw a catchable ball. Yeah, I mean, I saw some great balls that he threw, like in the playoffs. I mean, like incredibly impressive with touch, put right on the money. But, you know, the NFL is all about can you do it again? And, you know, the next time he would throw it, maybe it wasn't right there. And that's the thing. He's got to be able to do the same thing over and over to get that consistency. And until he does, he's a risky pick. Certainly a risky pick with upside, but he's one that I avoid because I can get in that same range, Russell Wilson or Wentz or Ryan and guys that I'm a little more comfortable with. But like you said, I mean, you're willing to take that risk and maybe it'll pay off. He's kind of a the opposite of the next guy on the list, and that's Drew Brees. I mean, Brees is the guy that doesn't have much upside. He can't give you anything on the ground, and he's usually not going to put up any humongous weeks but he is incredibly accurate and incredibly consistent. I mean, when you look at Breeze's accuracy the last few years, last year he completed 74.3% of his passes, and in the previous year, 74.4. That is remarkable. I think the 74.4 is a record, and then he almost did it again the next year. He just always puts the ball where he needs to put it. Even though he's 41, he's getting old, he can still put it right where he needs to. He also knows exactly what he's seeing with the defense. He knows where to throw it. He had a 7.1% touchdown rate last year, which is great. But the crazy part was his interceptions. He only threw four in 378 attempts. And that kind of accuracy, the completion percentage, the lack of interceptions, those are kind of the clear signs of a master quarterback. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to play the position. Their offensive line has been pretty good overall. It's kept him upright. They did lose Larry Warford in free agency, but they drafted Cesar Ruiz to replace him, which should be kind of a seamless transition, I would assume. The biggest thing for Breeze is that they've added Emmanuel Sanders. We talked about this in the receiver episode. And Breeze has been needing that second option at receiver for a few years. So having Thomas and Sanders on the field, man, it really could lead to Breeze having more upside than we think because he can just look for the open man. Both of those guys are excellent route runners and great at getting open. So there's a chance it can boost him. What are your thoughts on Breeze? 
Well, he's basically the anti-Josh Allen, like just the complete opposite in every way. And oddly enough, he doesn't even make my top 15, I don't think. Now, everything you said was right. Super consistent. The offense will be great. There really isn't, I mean, I guess you could call age a red flag, but I'm not really all that worried about it. So the offense is better. I just try to focus on targeting quarterbacks with those running upsides. So he doesn't really make my list. Yeah, and that's understandable. I guess when you're talking about the numbers that he has put up, though, the amount of passing yardage he can rack up, it can make up for a lot of that, especially when you're talking about comparing him to guys like lower on the list that have rushing upside. You think about like a Daniel Jones, he can certainly run for it. I would say maybe three, 400 yards is in his range of outcomes. But if you can compare Daniel Jones's passing stats, they're going to be like nothing compared to Breeze. So you have to kind of balance that out. I think Breeze is here because he was on pace last season for being in the top five before he got hurt. His numbers were crazy. So if you add those to the fact that he got Emmanuel Sanders, I think he's got that potential. So I think you should maybe consider sticking him in there. That's my opinion. I'll stream him <laughs> in home games. Sounds oh, good. wait, wait. That doesn't even, there not... is no home games anymore. There, and there's no, I guess you could play him in DFS. If I'll play. stream him in dome games. That'll be the new version of home games. Well, you know, back in our running back episode, you convinced me to uh, get rid of what's his face. Uh, yeah, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, so I mean, I think it's probably your turn. I think you need to put Breeze up in your list. So, but you know, that's up to you. You think about it. The next quarterback on my list, Matthew <laughs> Stafford. Stafford, man, he was on a great pace last season before his back injury, and he only played, I believe, it was eight games. So about half the season, he was on pace for five thousand yards. He was on pace for thirty-eight touchdowns. He would have had not a Mahomesian season, but man, he could have gotten close. And on top of that, he only had five interceptions. A one point. 0.7% interception rate, which doesn't really go with a lot of people, how they perceive him as a gunslinger, kind of willing to throw picks. He seems to be just really clicking with both Galladay and Marvin Jones. If he could develop a rapport with Hawkinson too, man, this could be one of the best group of weapons he's had since maybe ever, but certainly since early in his career, if not. We haven't seen Stafford sniff 40 touchdowns since 2011, and that was when he had Calvin Johnson. He threw for 41. So I think really it's not that he's gotten worse at all. I think his lack of fantasy success these past eight years or so has been to just due to not having elite weapons. He hasn't had a Calvin Johnson or even anyone good, really good. And I think his offensive coaching has been terrible. When he had Jim Bob Cooter as his offensive coordinator, I mean, the guy just didn't want him to throw it more than about 15 yards. He wanted to focus on the run. And, you know, they still have an offense that likes to run it. But I think the new coordinator, Daryl Bevel, gets it. I think he wants to use the weapons they have to their maximum potential. And, you know, Stafford is an extremely consistent quarterback. I mean, he has a great arm. He is accurate. He's willing to go deep and he's got an arm to get there. It's just that can they throw it enough to make him worth this where I have him here as the 11th rated? I think he's going in the something like the 11th to 13th round, somewhere in there. I think he's certainly worth it because he's got the upside to get up into the top seven, in my opinion, if things go right. But what do you think about Stafford? Oh, you can get him a lot later than the 11th. That's for sure. I really like Stafford this year. I think he's going to be great. I think the offense is going to be picked up. It's just a matter of will his back stay healthy. He's been a bit injury prone as of late. But if he's healthy, he's got the best offensive tools around him that he's had in, as you said, probably 
eight or nine years. It's not mm-hmm. since, you know, Calvin Johnson has he had someone this good with Galladay and Marvin Jones coming back. Hawkinson will hopefully be healthy. That's a great group of skilled players. And I think being able to throw the ball to DeAndre Swift will also be an upgrade for him. So if he stays healthy and depending on how the team plays, it could be a really good year for Stafford. Actually, you just made me think also about their defense. I think their defense has probably gotten a little worse. They let, I think his name's Kundry Diggs go. He was their best cornerback. I think they let their best safety go as well because of salary cap concerns. So if their defense is worse, again, it could be like that game script shootout stuff going on. So that's like the dream with Stafford. I mean, this guy early in his career when they stunk, when they went like 0-16, he had these terrible game scripts every week and the guy can just chuck it. So you want him to be behind all this run heavy, you know, decent defense stuff has got to go. Am I right? Absolutely. The last, well, I guess the next two guys in this tier, the last two guys in this tier I'm in for me are older quarterbacks who probably won't excite you if you don't like breeze, but they're guys that have good floors because they're very accurate. And that's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Brady is extremely difficult to rank this year, not only because he's 43 years old, but also with the new team, new system, switching to Tampa Bay. Statistically, when I look at him, the only red flag I see from last season is his completion percentage went down to about 60%. That's very low for top-notch quarterback, certainly for him. I think a lot of that can be explained by his lack of options, though. He had very sparse receiver options, plus he had lost Gronk. He had no tight end. So he did just not have anyone to throw to. I would say the biggest struggle I've seen him have on tape is just throwing the deep ball. We've discussed that before. His passes over 30 yards kind of arc way up in the air. They're very lazy. And that's to be expected when you're 43. He can still get it there. I mean, Pats fans will tell you he can still get the ball there. But, you know, he's just not as powerful in his arm strength. And I think that the uh, biggest thing you see him still have, though, is that zip on the intermediate throws, the short throws. He's still got it. That's something we saw Peyton lose late in his career. I don't think Brady's lost that yet. He's still accurate. And I think that he's got enough there to have a great season. The biggest question marks besides the age for me are how will he, you know, jive with the new system? How quickly will he get on the same page with Evans and Godwin and all these guys? If it goes well, he could be great, but it's a risk. What are your thoughts on Tommy Boy? Well, as someone who lives in the dead center of New England, Pats fans actually weren't all that sad to see him go. I mean, I think everyone realized that he's like given up his peak years. He can't really throw the ball deep anymore. And even the homers here in New England were like excited about him leaving, thinking that- Man, I'm I'm talking to the wrong Pats fans then. Oh, Guys, no, I know. Oh, no, they're all excited yeah. to get Trevor Lawrence. I mean, they almost they were they, they weren't happy about Cam signing. They were like, darn it, there goes our chance at the number one overall pick potentially. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, actually they're all excited about the opt-outs, more opportunities to have a worse team. It's a thing. There is excitement about Trevor Lawrence in New England, depending on who you talk to. Yeah. And I'm surrounded by New Englanders who will rub Tom Brady in the six titles and my Denver Broncos loving <laughs> face. But anyway, back to him with Tampa. I think he's in a situation where regardless of his arm strength, it will be very difficult to fail. I don't think the game scripts will be as good this year because he won't be throwing pick sixes on the opening drive consistently. Like Winston did. Like Winston did. Yes. Yeah. Not counting the ones that were dropped. That could have been pick sixes as well. Mm-hmm. So... I think when you have this great of an offense behind Arians, there is that chance to put up monster numbers. I think it'll probably go more through Godwin and Gronk and the shorter tosses. I'm a little concerned about Mike Evans with the deep ball this year. Mm-hmm. 
but the offense will definitely be quarterback friendly. And I mean, really quarterback friendly. If he can't get it done in this offense, he can't get it done anywhere. Now, the only concern is the defense will actually be pretty elite this year and they might try to run the ball more and then use him off play action and try to keep him healthy and on his feet. You know, you don't want to damage your investment. So that would be the one concern I have, but I definitely have him bordering on this top 10 range with upside. Yeah. It's interesting that you like him, but don't like Breeze. I mean, I think that they're so similar. I guess the thing with Brady is definitely he has elite options. And, you know, he showed that he can still drive the ball methodically up the field with very little talent in New England the last couple of years. But yeah, I think that, like you said, it's hard to imagine that he doesn't have success with all that talent. I think that because of his new location and figuring out all the new offensive aspects under Arians and getting on the same page with his new weapons, I think for all that, he's a boom-bust option for me. If I pick him, like in the 10th or 11th, 12th, whatever round, I want another guy behind him that has kind of a steadier floor because I could see Brady going top six stats. I could see him falling to, you know, 17th if things don't go right. I mean, he did hit a thousand career rushing yards the other year. (laughs) And he is the master of the quarterback sneak. I mean, I don't think there's a better quarterback sneaker in the NFL. Certainly not Mahomes. (laughs) Okay, that was a low blow. Just because he hurt his knee. That was a low blow. That wasn't fair. (laughs) No, I actually don't hate Breeze that much. I just think he's sort of capped and he has a tougher schedule. Well, I'm going to bring him up till you say he's in your top 10. So I'm just going to keep bringing it up. The next guy on, on my list is Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is, okay, so let's say this. Rodgers' talent level is not 13th in the league. I think Rodgers is like a top three or four quarterback, even now at 37 years old. He is elite. He's got an, a ridiculous arm. He's got amazing pocket presence. He's very creative. He can read defenses like nobody's business. One stat I wanted to point out that shows how truly great he is. In 2018, he threw 597 passes and only threw two interceptions. And in 2019, he threw 569 and only four interceptions. Those are the most ludicrous numbers I've seen when looking at stats. It's a 0.3 and 0.7 interception per attempt percentage. It just shows that he sees the field. And again, this is not like he has these elite receiver options. He does not have much, but he sees the field. He knows what defenses are doing and he just doesn't make mistakes. He also has the arm talent to put it wherever he wants on the field. I just say he's in the same sort of situation as Stafford was a few years ago. He just seems to have a coaching staff that doesn't know how to maximize his talents. He just doesn't have enough weapons either. He doesn't have the play calls to put him in the perfect situations. You see a guy like Greg Roman in Baltimore just try to make the offense exactly what Lamar needs. And that's what the Packers haven't done. They just haven't put him in a position to show off. If they did, I think he could be pushing 5,000 passing yards every season. He could be similar to what we see from Mahomes if he was in the right system. Do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, they could have you know, drafted T. Higgins. They could have got a wide receiver, but they didn't. Their weapons after Devontae Adams are non-existent. They have no one, and they're moving to a more run-heavy offense. They're going to have Aaron Jones back there, but they're probably going to spell him with Dylan a lot. So with just the lack of weapons, it's hard to really get all that excited about him. I believe he's a top-five quarterback in terms of talent still, but, I mean, who are they going to throw the ball to besides Adams I mean Sternberger is that the names yeah. I mean I I like Sternberger I'll save that for the tight end that's because there's end. no one else <laughs> yeah but I mean like hey L- Lazard the, yeah I mean the, Lazard, the Lazard King 
I saw that, you know, the Aaron Jones is going to be their wide receiver too. And that's, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you're right. They do not have much talent out there. Plus, you know, Devin Funches. I mean, Funches just opted out. If he had been there, then that's a group. Okay. <laughs> Devontae Adams plus Devin Funches, but he opted out. So oh. no, I, I just think, hey, he's like the quintessential, has all the talent in the world, but just not a great situation. I'm sure Rodgers was devastated about (laughs) Funches opting out. He was, I'm sure. I mean, we could be wrong. These weapons we don't like could become great, and he could put up huge numbers. It's just hard to envision that. I think because I would say Rodgers is one of those guys, though, that has a really solid floor. You saw what he did last season without many weapons around him, and he was fine. I mean, he was about this spot, about 13th in points, and I think he'll be there again. I think the only way it can go is up, but I wouldn't bank on it going up much. For me, there's a big tier break there, and then this kind of the last tier we're going to cover today. And these guys in my final tier are guys with crazy question marks surrounding them with big rushing upside, right? So you got the guys with the rushing upside at the top, and then you got the guys who you're not sure if they're very good or whether they'll work in their situation, but they still have that rushing upside. So they're above the guys lower down like Baker Mayfield, who has very little rushing upside. So 14 for me is Daniel Jones. I was certainly shocked when the Giants took Jones in the top 10 of the 2019 draft. He played at Duke and did not play all that well. So it was a shocking choice. He surprised me though. He played pretty well last season as a rookie. He threw only 12 picks. That's a 2.6% rate, which is pretty good for a rookie. But And he threw twice as many touchdowns with 24. And that 5.2% is very good touchdown rate for a rookie. He also rushed for that 279 and two touchdowns. So that's that little extra added in the rushing department. He did have one of the most unfortunate stats for Jones was he fumbled the ball an amazing 18 times. So more than once per game, he coughed it up. I think that that's, if you're penalized in your leagues for fumbles, not something to worry about too much. It's something that's pretty easy to correct. You just got to hold the ball. So if Daniel Jones listened to this podcast, I'm going to tell you how to not fumble it. When you go back in the pocket, you want to hold the ball with both hands. And then when you get hit from behind, you won't fumble it as much. What do you think? Do you think he might be listening? No, but that's okay. I mean, I fifty percent chance, maybe. Maybe, I hope he isn't. <laughs> no, he's. Uh, I, I think. Uh, I think I'll. I'll, t- I'll tag him on Twitter. See if I can get him to listen because I think that could really help him. Anyway, I think if he could make a big jump in his second season, particularly understanding what defenses are doing, that's usually where we see the big jump. That would really decrease his interceptions and also show him more often where the open man is and lead to more positive stats. He has a pretty good group of skilled players around him. He is a great running back next to him and Barkley, and his receivers are okay, pretty good. Shepard and Tate and Slayton, like, we're not sure exactly, but they could be good. And then he's got a good tight end in Ingram. I think that could enable him to take a step forward. I have him throwing for 3,700 yards and 27 touchdowns, scoring another three on the ground. I think, you know, if that happens, that's why he's at my 14. He could be better than that. It's hard to know, and he could certainly be worse. What are your thoughts on Daniel Jones? Yeah, I'm pretty high on him. I have him probably a lot higher than you do. I definitely have him ahead of Breeze. And a few reasons why. He rushed for 20 or more yards in 7 of 12 games last year. Mm -hmm. And from week 8 on, he was the quarterback number 5 overall in the year. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but he had 4 of 12 games where he had more than 30 fantasy points, which were all like top of the league performances for those weeks. Yeah, a lot of boot weeks. So he had some just massive ceiling games at an incredibly high clip, and he did this without ever having his full offense together. Now, do I think he's a good quarterback in real life? No, 
but he seems to scramble for his life a lot, and he's deceptively athletic. Like, he could be good. He's got a good arm. Yeah, he kind of can sense when someone's going to be open, I feel like, even as a rookie. Like I said, his interception rate was decent. He just can't sense pressure. Man, when people are coming around the edge, he just has no awareness in the pocket. That's where he's got to improve. And that's why he shouldn't have been a sixth overall pick. Or eight, yes. I think it was eight, but he had crazy high. The thing is, if he sensed that pressure coming around the edge, it would actually lead to more rushing yards. Because when you sense it coming, you flush, you know? And instead of a fumble there, you have an extra 10 rushing yards every time. So that's huge for him. That's the biggest difference between a guy that understands like the rushing, what defenses are doing on the line, like Mahomes does. You almost never see Mahomes surprised by a sack or cough up the ball because he just knows where guys are. And and he can throw with his left hand better than most people can throw (laughs) with their right. Right. That helps. But I mean, Daniel Jones is like, he's just not aware where, where, like Mahomes is, or even like, you know, a Brady. Brady, when he senses pressure, has it right in his face, he just falls down like Peyton Manning did. I mean, that's wussy, but (laughs) at least he doesn't get a fumble. So I think if Daniel Jones could figure that out, it's going to help his whole game. Absolutely. And like you said, another podcast, they have a tough start to their schedule, but that can actually lead to more passing and you get behind. So I think in the end, it's probably good for him, even if the Giants lose the game. I mean, I'm not a Giants fan, so it doesn't matter either way, but I definitely think he's got that upside. I think the team's going to be mediocre. Their schedule's hard, but I think it's the kind of hard where they'll be behind. So it'll probably help pad his stats even more. So Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Yep. The next guy on my list is another controversial. That's Cam Newton. Newton is a quarterback. It's very difficult to rank this season. I've been all over the map with him, had him lower, had him higher. He's getting older, which should affect how much he runs. He's in a new system. He's coming off a couple of serious injuries. It's just impossible to know how he's going to do with the switch to New England. Most likely he finishes near the middle of the pack. That's why I have him here at 15. Certainly He has the upside to finish above that if he does continue to rush at a high clip. And if his foot and shoulder are 100%, you know, hey, he could be top 10. But there is significant risk, not just because of his, you know, uncertainty with his health, but also with this Patriots system. How much is he going to throw it? How much is he going to check it down like Brady did? How much are they going to let him run? Are they going to call any runs for him? I don't know. We don't even know if he's going to start. I mean, Belichick's saying he's got to earn the job. He's going to compete with Stidham. So this is a significant risk to pick him. I won't take him before about the 13th to 14th round. And if I do, I'm going to pair him with a safer quarterback who, you know, has maybe less upside, but he's safe. Um, In his last 16-game season, Cam threw for 3,300 yards with 22 touchdowns. That was back in 2017. He also ran for 754 and 6. So does he do that again? I mean, he's 31. He probably could. But it depends if Belichick calls that. What do you think about Cam and all that? Well, the thing is you have him as your quarterback 15. So considering there are 12 teams in a league, he would probably be your quarterback too. So what you can do is if he is your second quarterback, you can then take a wait and see approach. You know, Mm -hmm. if he ends up being the starter, you have a upside starting quarterback that you can decide to stream when you want, or you can pick up off of waiver wires if he doesn't go drafted, because I think that is you know, perfectly possible. So I'm taking a wait and see approach. As you said, the upside is there. I don't know how much Belichick will let a quarterback run since we've never seen Belichick coach a quarterback that can run. So it'll be interesting to see how they scheme him. And we know that Belichick loves to adjust and is amazing at in-game play calling adjustments and game plans. So I have no idea what they'll do with him on offense, Yeah, but I'm 
I'm really excited to find out. Yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, it's going to be one of those things we don't, I'm not scared of New England for the first time in a long time. I don't think they're going to push for a Super Bowl, but it's going to be a more fun season to watch. I just don't want them to get Lawrence. Yeah, no, that'd, I be, think, that'd be the I think, worst. I think Newton's going to be good enough to keep that from happening. And they, unless they start Stidham because they want to do that, but who knows? The only other guy I was going to mention that's uh, that's our 15. That's a wrap on that. But I have one guy who just didn't make it and I have drafted a bunch in my early drafts and that's Joe Burrow. I just wanted to mention as a rookie, I think he has big time upside. He's in an aggressive offensive scheme with loads of weapons to throw to. He has that rushing ability. He showed in college, like I could see him putting up three or 400 yards and rushing this season. And he just has showed himself to be an excellent overall quarterback. I know it was the college level, but he showed things like accuracy and intelligence and arm strength, things that definitely will translate. So I'm taking him a lot as a cheaper option, like a, a second quarterback who could actually blow up and become that guy that comes from the lower echelon. Did you have any quick thoughts on Burrow before we wrap up? I think he's uh, good. I think he has that same upside. He reminds me a lot of how people were drafting uh, Mayfield last year. Yeah. He went way too high, didn't perform. But with Burrow, it's much more of a question mark. But we know he can run. We know he's accurate. And we know the team is going to be behind a lot. So if anyone took away anything from this podcast is that get quarterbacks that can run, get quarterbacks that are in good offenses, and that game scripts matter. And I think Burrow, you know, checks the boxes for each of those. Cool. Well, that's going to do it for our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us. If you wouldn't mind, you can help us out in a major way by subscribing to the podcast and rating us on Apple Podcasts. What that does is it begins to move the needle when it comes to the algorithm. And for every person who subscribes and rates the podcast positively, we sort of move up in those rankings, those invisible rankings, makes it easier for folks to find us. That would be a huge help. You can also support the podcast if you want to. You can pledge a monthly amount over at Anchor. Of course, that's not expected, but any amount would would be certainly appreciated. If you want to interact with us, we encourage you to follow us on Twitter. I am at Kevin Scott FF and Kyle is at Kyle Leaf. You can also follow the show at the Lowdown FF Pod. For Kyle Leaf and our producer, Hannah Sawyer, I am Kevin Scott. We'll see you next time.